Welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Tom Wheeler, Executive Director of EPIC, the Environmental Protection Information Center. And joining me is my co-host and friend, Alicia Heyman from Friends of the Eel River. Hey, Alicia. Hey, Tom. Good to see you. And we are also joined by Fraser Haney and Sarah Seaburn from the Wildlands Conservancy. Hey, gang. Hey, Tom. Hey, Alicia. All right, so we are going to be talking about your great new acquisition of the Lone Pine Ranch on the Eel River. So, Fraser and Sarah, let's let's take our listeners on an audio journey out to the Lone Pine Ranch and let's situate us in the world. Where are we talking about here? Well, the Lone Pine Ranch, which upon our acquisition, we've renamed to the Eel River Canyon Preserve. And that is the number one thing that tells you where you're at in the world. It's situated along the Eel River Canyon on the main stem of the Eel at the confluence of the North Fork and the main stem. And beyond that point, about 15 miles downstream along the eastern side of the main stem of the Eel River. And if you're if you were to look at a, a map of the state of California, along the 101, you'd see Garberville and Willits. And if you went dead between Garberville and Willits, and then went due east 15 miles or so, you'd be on the Eel River Canyon Preserve. And it's worth saying that the Eel River Canyon is one of the wildest parts of the main stem of the Eel River. It's mostly private land. It's not a ton of public land along the main stem in the Eel River Canyon. So it's a, it's a remote area that's hard to get to, and has had a hard time with public access to this part of the river previously. Yeah, very few people have been able to see this area because I, I think you're you're almost required to to take a raft there to to be able to see this this part of the world. <laughs> and the name Eel River Canyon Preserve also hints at the the Grand Canyon of the Eel, which is nearby. Can you, can you tell us about what it's like to be on the river in this? this section of the world, and and what is this Grand Canyon of the Eel? The Grand Canyon of the Eel is just that. The mountains that are above this section of the Eel River and the beautiful color of the water and all the wildlife, it feels like you've stepped back in time when you're along this section of the Eel, and it's a huge landscape. It's a landscape that makes you feel tiny, hence the Grand Canyon of the Eel, you get up on some of the hillsides above the river and you can see for dozens and dozens of miles all the way out to the King Range National Conservation Area to the mountains that stand above the Pacific Ocean there. So the views the views are truly grand. As we mentioned, that section of the river is pretty wild, but there's an amazing amount of wildlife along this river, even though the river has seen a lot of degradation through time from water diversions and over-sedimentation, there's still incredible wildlife. We were out at the river just a few weeks ago, and we saw a, a, a full-grown golden eagle defending its prey from two juvenile bald eagles and about 100 ravens. At the same time that we were watching that display, we saw a river otter in the river itself and watched a uh, four-by-four buck kind of lazily stroll through a meadow, all in one frame of view. It's just amazing. That paints quite a picture. Yeah. 
Well, and there's another feature that is hard to miss when you're on the river, as many of us are in that region. You know, like Tom said, really the only way to access this part of the river is is by raft a little farther upstream. And that unmissable feature is the remnants of the Northwestern Pacific Railroad that runs alongside the canyon there. And I believe a, a part of that actually runs, a part of that right of way actually runs through the property. You bet. There's this there's this really fun confluence of a few different things happening on the on the Eel River Canyon Preserve. It's 18 miles of river frontage, but it also between this property and the neighboring Emerald Waters Reserve, there's about 10 miles of frontage along the old Northwestern Pacific Railroad. The other thing, though, Alicia, that is really important to us is that you can access the Eel River Canyon Preserve on the Xenia Lake Mountain Road or Minor Road, depending on where you're coming from. And then the roads through the property are in great shape, and they're good enough to get you from those public roads all the way down to the river frontage and the old Northwestern Pacific Railroad line. And we're going to make sure that those roads are usable by people that want to come and visit the preserve, members of the general public or our guests or organized groups, so that we have a way to provide a a really new and great access point for people that want to visit this stretch of the river and the the Northwestern Pacific Rail Line. And I'm sure that, that you're going to segue into talking about the Great Redwood Trail next, but that's that's what makes it such a perfect foundational piece for the Great Redwood Trail. Yeah, well, I, I was actually thinking about the Great Redwood Trail when I mentioned the Northwest Pacific Railroad, but I also want to say that I was actually on your website just before we all got online today, and I saw that you, I was really excited to see that you have an interest form for future potential visitor interests. And I was just wondering if you wanted, before we start talking about the Great Redwood Trail, or maybe as an additional segue to that, if you want to talk a little bit about what kind of future you envision for this property. Will there be hiking? Will there be facilities people can use? And also, what kinds of ways are you working with the tribal community to provide access for, for their ceremonies or cultural, cultural interests? Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit about what we have in mind for public access? And then I can talk about tribal relationships? Definitely. We have planned some really great facilities for the property with with free public access in mind, getting folks out to this really spectacular part of California that's rarely seen. And some of those facilities include a ranger station visitor center. We plan to have staff on site to not only steward the land, but also engage with the public. And we're also looking to and create a campground that will be for tent camping and pretty primitive, but I think we'll have some showers and restrooms and some other facilities there just for those those folks who are on a long trek, either on the trail or paddling on the river. So those are our two facilities that we're actively working on planning and hope to start building those facilities here in 2022. I think our first access really for general public is probably a year out. I think that's what we're thinking. But that interest form that you mentioned, Alicia, on our website, any any folks who want to stay up to date about when we're able to do some kind of organized group tours and things like that on the property, folks should feel free to jump onto our website 
at wildlandsconservancy.org and provide their contact information and their interest in the property. And we'll make sure to stay in touch with them. Great. And thanks, Sarah. Tom? Oh, no, I was just going to tee you back up with the the question about how you're going to get along with the people who have inhabited this land for millennia and who have been the stewards of the land before you've taken ownership. So the, the tribe's relationship with Wildlands Conservancy's relationship with the indigenous tribes of the area. Yeah, thank you. Well, the Eel River Canyon Preserve is in the traditional territory of the Wailaki, largely. Of course, it's Yuki if you go further south towards Covalo and Round Valley. So we we know that there's a living history on the property, and we have reached out to begin the dialogue about how to provide access to the property for anything from interpretive programs to youth projects to folks coming out to study the resources on the land. And we know that the, the cultural resources and the tribal history is not something that you study and then put in a book on the shelf, but it's a living connection to the land. And we'll honor that as we have at other preserves in our preserve system in California. At our Windwolves Preserve, we've worked with local tribal interests to reinter remains, find appropriate avenues for traditional gathering practices on the land and ceremonial practices. So we've opened those lines of dialogue, both with the Round Valley Band of Tribes and also with individuals in the area. So a lot to learn there and a long way to go, but certainly we'll be, we'll be providing access to honor the, the traditional territory and recognizing the real interest that folks have in the land and have had for thousands of years. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. It's been a, a journey to come to own this property. It is as you said, surrounded by a lot of private land. There isn't a a ton of public land out here. Yet this is in such a remarkable condition. This land is in such a remarkable condition. Can you talk us through when it was Lone Pine Ranch, before it was the Eel River Canyon Preserve, who owned it and how it was managed and how you came to purchase this property? Yeah, of course. Dean Witter, the stockbroker, and I think his name is well known, especially in California, because so much of his life was spent in San Francisco and the Bay Area. So Dean Witter purchased the property during World War II. And through time, over decades, you can look at the map of the property and watch it evolve. As the Witter family purchased the White Ranch to the north, which we renamed the Emerald Waters Reserve when we purchased it. But they did lot line adjustments so that the property would line up with the center line of the river and they didn't have other private land holdings inside of the boundary of what they called the Lone Pine Ranch. So over decades, you can see consistently that the Witter family had made these moves to assemble the property in the form of the Lone Pine Ranch that that we purchased and have turned into the Eel River Canyon Preserve. Additionally, the family, I think, fell in love with the property. It's fair to say that. Both Dean Witter and his son are memorialized on on the property with a plaque on a rock that stands above the river. And this was really a place that not only Dean Witter, but the family and their friends came to know and love and cherish. So they, they did take care of the property. And it's been a working cattle ranch for decades. And it's been for, for a long time, they had used it to timber too and produce mostly dug fur, but 
There are some other conifers like cedar or Pacific yew on the property. They cut oak burls and sold oak burls to generate revenue, but none of that was clear cutting. So are there opportunities to improve forest health after that decades of timber harvest? Definitely. But the forests are in pretty good shape. There's a lot of them that are just deep dug fir forests. And there's certainly opportunities for ecological restoration around a lot of the wetlands that have been grazed in the wrong season or too heavily in the past. And that's our one of our number one priorities right alongside public access is to start the ecological restoration of the property. But I think a, a big debt of gratitude is owed to the Witter family. They had other options on the table for who to purchase from them. And they went with the Wildlands Conservancy and with our partners because they knew we would conserve the property. We would keep it all together. We wouldn't let it be subdivided. We would welcome the public on. So uh, a big debt of gratitude goes to their their active decision-making in the process. And I think that's a really important piece that, that this property is... I believe it's probably one of the largest intact properties under a single ownership, at least in that region, but possibly even throughout the entire watershed. Like there are some pieces of of public land that are under single ownership, if you will. But there, you know, the eel watershed, I think is something like 87, maybe approaching 90% private ownership. So it's like that, that's a pretty big deal, right? That this is all this huge piece of property is all under one ownership. Yeah. It is. And in total, the project is 30,000 acres. We purchased the first 3,000 acres, and that got us the two-year option on the rest of the property. But when you when you run the math out, it's almost 50 square miles of land. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge block, and it's a very diverse place. There's wetlands and sag ponds. There's dug fir forests, oak savannas, the ridgetops along... Lake Mountain there are perfect. I can just picture California condors soaring over those ridgetops in the future. There's western pond turtles and foothill yellow-legged frogs in abundance on the property. And the wildflower blooms in the spring are absolutely outstanding. So the Eel River seems like that's the obvious focal point for this property. It also is the connection between your other properties at the Spy Rock Reserve and Emerald Waters Reserve. But this is a huge property. And as you said, there's such a diversity of landscapes out there. The Eco News Report, we are talking about the Eel River Canyon Preserve, recently purchased by the Wildlands Conservancy. Besides the eel, what is your favorite place on the property? Where would you be most excited to take somebody and to show them? Well, of course, and you you mentioned it, right? The river frontage is the thing to see. But we found a spot on the property that is kind of our sunset spot that I've been out to a number of times. And it's not the highest point on the property, but it's it's one of the high points that looks up and down the River Canyon. And so you can see about 20 miles of the Eel River in pieces from this one spot. And that's a must go for, for folks when they visit the property and the river frontage, no doubt, and the river frontage. The other spot that we always take people that you're most likely to see Roosevelt elk is called Rice Lake. And we don't know where the na- exactly where the name came from, but we may, may find another name for it. And 
that is a 60 acre wetland sag pond that's wet all year round. Right now it's full of water and there's hundreds and hundreds of ducks and geese on it. You might see tule elk or a Roosevelt elk out there, but in the summertime even, it dries out a little bit, but it's still abundant with wildlife. That's where I've seen the pileated woodpecker on the property was at Rice Lake. So river frontage, the sunset spot, and Rice Lake are, sorry, I, I can't say just one. And just out of curiosity, for those of us up here on at sea level in, in Humboldt Bay region, what is the highest point in the property? The high point on the property is 4,200 feet at Horse Peak. And just shorter than that is Pilot Peak, named because it looks like the, the glass bubble on a fighter plane where the pilot would sit. And the, the river is at about 1,200 feet above sea level on the river frontage. So there's quite an elevational difference. Well, you were talking about potentially renaming different features and locations on the property. That seems like Again, an excellent opportunity for Indigenous partners to play a role in teaching us all about the cultural heritage of that property and and helping us come up with new appropriate names. No doubt, Alicia. And to that point, we renamed the White Ranch Emerald Waters because many people in that region will recognize the last name of White, and it is a very controversial name. So we're all ears to appropriate Indigenous place names and how that might help rebuild some connections there on the landscape. Well, speaking of controversy, we should probably talk about the threat of the coal train, huh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, Alicia, let's let's give folks a reminder on what the heck we're talking about here. What what is this coal train? I I thought that the 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 train line was was dead and gone, right? It's going to become the Great Redwood Trail. What are you talking about? Yeah, it is totally still going to become the Great Redwood Trail. But as part of making that happen, the North Coast Railroad Authority, who is the current agency that owns and manages the line, they had to apply to a federal agency called the Surface Transportation Board to rail bank the line. And rail banking is just a term that essentially means preserving the right of way for alternative uses, such as a majestic trail. Unfortunately, the process of rail banking has this other process within it called offers of financial assistance. Kind of a weird way of saying that, but basically there is an opportunity for other entities to come in, make an offer and purchase the line and then use it for for rail again. No one imagined in their wildest dreams that this would happen on this line, because as we talked about a little bit in this episode and I think in lots of other past ECO News reports, the condition of the line is horrible. The conservative estimates to rebuild it are around $2.3 billion. It you know, likely would cost a lot more than that. And while the line was running, oh, 25 years ago at least, it was the most expensive line to maintain in the nation. So no one thought that that was going to happen. But we have seen some filings to the Surface Transportation Board from actually two different entities. One is a secretive LLC based out of Wyoming, and the other is the Skunk Train. Both of those entities have expressed their interest in putting forth an offer of financial assistance. So we are waiting right now for some decisions from the Surface Transportation Board before we see if those offers are actually going to come to fruition, but we anticipate that they will. I'm leaving out lots of details of the story, but essentially... We, we know through some documents that have been uncovered that that LLC based out of Wyoming is connected to coal interest in the Powder River Basin. 
And so their pretty crazy scheme at this point is to export coal from Utah Powder River Basin region east through California, north up through the Eel River Canyon, and then take it to Humboldt Bay where they somehow are going to export it to foreign nations. Lots and lots of unknowns in that plan. <laughs> yeah. So Frazier and, and Sarah, how would you feel as this new property owner if you had mile-long trains spewing coal dust going through the Eel River Canyon Preserve? Would it would it detract from the value of this land as a, a, a natural landscape? Oh, we're horrified by it, Tom. <laughs> yeah, of course. Horrified by the prospect of it. And I think it's worth pointing out, too, that this isn't like restarting the old train line. The old train line was there for multiple interests. It took people back and forth to market. It hauled out logs and cattle to support economic interests in the area. It took kids to school in the morning. And it was not a outside private interest to haul fossil fuels through the Eel River Canyon. It was more of a local interest. So I don't I don't see the the new proposal for a coal train as being synonymous in any way with the old operation of the Northwestern Pacific Railroad at all. It's just they're completely different. They're both trains, but that's where the similarities stop. We're horrified at the idea, and I think that we'll be part of the very large and vocal crowd that are adamantly opposed. And I'm sure that that crowd includes many of our elected leaders. Yeah, thankfully it does. And and I do, I just want to add to that. Fraser was telling us a little bit about the way that the train was in the past. And, you know, as someone who has ridden the Amtrak across the country, I know trains can be really cool and romantic and provide you with access to landscapes that you wouldn't otherwise see. But this, this train, unfortunately, could never meet the standards for passenger rail again. So I know that there might be folks listening who are like, you know what, that would be really cool if we could have that again and we could ride the rails and boy, wouldn't it be a beautiful place. But we just, we have higher standards these days for safety and it doesn't, doesn't meet those standards. So completion of this trail too, Alicia, would mean that the Great Redwood Trail wouldn't exist, that we, we, we can't have both, it seems, that if the coal company takes over this right-of-way, then it's going to be a railroad again and that we won't have the Great Redwood Trail. Is that right? That's that's right. And in fact, Mendocino Railway, who's the parent company of the Skunk Train, were very clear to specify that in their submissions to the Surface Transportation Board. They said very plainly, if they are successful in their offer of financial assistance, that means there will be no trails. So I think the entities that are proposing these takeovers are are pretty clear what that means for for the trail and for all those who hope to hike and bike on that trail someday. And relaying this back to this new acquisition, the Eel River Canyon Preserve, together with the Spy Rock Preserve and the Emerald Waters Preserve, these are all exist along the Eel River. They exist along this Great Redwood Trail. These are our logical stops on the Great Redwood Trail. So if we can't have the Great Redwood Trail, we're we're going to lose we're gonna lose this like wonderful, cool bike route where we could bike from preserve to preserve and check out the Wildlands Conservancy's holdings and their good work in conserving this land. So I 
am devastated by the thought that we wouldn't have the Great Redwood Trail. There's another there's another element to the the positive upside of the trail too, and that is the Great Redwood Trail Authority will be administered by the State Coastal Conservancy. And we've worked extensively with the Coastal Conservancy along the Santa Ana River Trail. And they have a conservancy program specifically for the Santa Ana River Trail. And all along the Santa Ana River Trail, the cities and towns, public water agencies, flood control districts have all developed a vision, a unified vision of how the Santa Ana River and the Santa Ana River Trail should look. And it was the trail that unified that vision. And for a couple decades, we've been able to successfully secure state funds through the Coastal Conservancy for the Santa Ana River Trail. And it has absolutely transformed the trail and the way that the communities think about the river itself. The communities previously have been built facing away from the river. So if there were houses built along the river, they would they were built looking away from the river with block walls. But now the communities are looking into the river. It's become this major asset for those communities, and it contributes to their quality of life and their economic well-being. And I can see the same thing happening for the Eel River with this formal structure up and down the Great Redwood Trail, that we could have a, a unified idea for the Eel River that would follow behind this idea of a, of a trail, of a public interest in a trail. And for the health of the river, for its fighting for its water quality, fighting for the, the fish along, along the river and the upper part of the watershed, the trail could be this great unifying effort to celebrate the river as a whole. So I, I see it goes beyond just our preserves, but goes into fighting for the health of the, the whole watershed. That's really well put. I think your example from the Santa Ana Trail really exemplifies the vision of the Great Redwood Trail, which ultimately is connecting communities. And, you know, I was actually just on a call this morning with some folks who are working on a story map for the Great Redwood Trail. And they were talking a lot about how they want to incorporate bike maps and other ecotourism opportunities in the communities you'll visit along the trail. Because like you said, it's not just about the trail. It's about the interests of the communities connected by the trail and the resources that the trail highlights. And it's just, it's such a wonderful opportunity, especially for a lot of these really small communities in Mendocino and Humboldt County to really get get some attention and have new outdoor recreation, tourism economy opportunities. I, I think it's very exciting and I would be very excited if I live in one of those communities too. All right. So we're nearing the end of our show, but I want to make sure that we give folks the resources to know where to go for more information. So Alicia, if someone wants to learn more about the threat of coal trains and how to take action against them, where can we direct people to go? No Coal Humboldt is an excellent resource. You can sign up for email alerts, get fact sheets, and get in touch with, with our team. Nocoalhumboldt.com.org? .org. There we go. org. Sarah, where can folks go to learn about the Wildlands Conservancy and the Eel River Canyon Preserve? Yeah, Tom, to learn more about Eel River Canyon Preserve, we do have a preserve page on our website, which is at wildlandsconservancy.org. And for folks who want to dig a little deeper, they can look at our Eel River Emerald Necklace Conservation Project which highlights our acquisitions starting with Spy Rock back in 2005, 2006, 
that looks to create that connectivity uh, along the river for free public access. All right. Wonderful. This has been another episode of the Eco News Report. Join us again on this time and channel next week for more environmental news from the North Coast of California.